Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Vayikra Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Vayikra. Parshas Vayikra itself contains 111 psukim, and our Aliyah contains the first 13 of those psukim, running from Vayikra Aleph, Perik, uh, Perik Aleph, Pasuk Aleph to Yud Gimel. Let's take a look at a brief overview of the Aliyah and then some points to ponder. We now shifted gears into Vayikra, where we're talking about Karbonus and Tum and Tahara, purity and impurity. Sacrifices is a very different topic. It's less narrative and it's more mitzvahs. Commandments. Let's try to appreciate what's going on here. So Hashem calls to Moshe, Vayikra Hashem or Moshe, from the tent of meeting, and He tells them the following, that Adam Kiyakriv Mikem Karbon Hashem, when a person will bring, will decide to bring a sacrifice, it will come from the cattle, the, the sheep, and uh, as as an example, now the first case that we talk about it was what's called the korban ola, the burnt sacrifice. It's it's all burnt up to Hashem, and we hear about the provisions and the necessary details. So we hear how it is brought to in our earlier we hear about the cattle and the flocks example of the ola of this sacrifice, and a person will do smicha. They bring it to the, the which means say they put their hands on it. And they bring a, a it is a, an appeasement to them when this is done to atone for that person, and it is brought in front of Hashem. And then we hear about all the different details, how the, it's it's uh, the it is skinned and the different parts that are brought on the mizbech and burnt, and how it is burnt as well, and a similar expression for the sheep. We're not going to go through all the details because it is extremely complex and also very esoteric. Just to appreciate this, the Karban Allah, the burnt offering, is brought not as a, uh, it, this is not an obligatory Karban, like let's say the Chatas and Asham, which will be the sin and guilt offering towards the end of the parasha. The Allah is actually brought on a missed opportunity, when a person did not perform a positive mitzvah. So for instance, a person did not put on tefillin, um, a person missed doing a positive mitzvah, there is a, we'll call it a loss by not doing that, and this Karban comes to atone for that, and comes to fix up these things, is brought as a neder on a dover, it is, it is a volunteered um, Karban. So it is, on the one hand, does give a degree of kapora, as, is a de- as explained, but it is also voluntary. A few basic points to ponder, and number one is, is that the most interesting facet of Aralia is the fact that the first word is five letters long, but the fifth of those letters, the Aleph at the end of the word, Vayikra, is a small, what's called an Aleph Zeira, a small Aleph. Why is that spelled that way? If you look in the actual Torah itself, that's the way it works. So Rashi quotes, quotes a very famous Gemara. The Gemara says, based on the Medrash, that, um, that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to remove the Aleph altogether so that it would re- read Vayikar, that Hashem chanced upon Moshe Rabbeinu, indicating an, a, 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 so to speak, less of an attitude of Hashem going out to find Moshe and giving Moshe Rabbeinu the credence of being the greatest prophet. The more that Hashem chanced upon him and gave him the instructions. Um, that would diminish the experience on Moshe Rabbeinu's side, and this was an act of humility. However, Hashem refused to do so, and Hashem demanded that it be there, and so the compromise, so to speak, was the, this small Aleph. So it isn't missing, but it isn't altogether regular. So it's a, a, the, the way that Rashi presents it seems to be focused around the humility of Moshe Rabbeinu. There are different ways of looking at this as well. So as another perspective on this particular topic is the idea that if you think about what it means, it's not just about how Hashem relates to Moshe and his humility, it also relates to another aspect, and that is Moshe Rabbeinu and his view of the world. We look at the world and we see the world around us and we know that Hashem exists intellectually. We know Hashem is in our lives, and yet sometimes emotionally we don't feel that that is in fact the case. We look around and we see suffering. We look at, around and we, and we see 
incredible injustice in the world. And we say to, in a certain sense, it looks like it is mikre. It looks like it is uh, happenstance. It is dog-eat-dog dog world. We don't understand the phenomena around us. And sometimes we say that perhaps Hashem's way of interacting with the world is vayikar. It is mikre. It is happenstance. It is chance. But we know that Hashem really is there, but we can't see it. And it's at moments in life that like that, and this is the suggestion of Rabbi J.J. Shecht, a very beautiful observation, homiletically, is that we diminish the Aleph. We don't remove the Aleph and say that Hashem is not there. We don't, at the same time, keep it the same size and pretend that everything is fine when it really isn't fine. But we diminish it. And there's times in life where we have to diminish the Aleph in life and realize that Vayikra, Hashem really is there. He's calling. He's in the, the circumstance. It's just hard to see. We don't erase it. We don't keep it as normal. And that's the human condition. Being able to juggle the intellectual awareness of God and the emotional absence of that reality when it comes to very difficult circumstances. And that's the Vayikra. Another way of looking at this is from the, the ideas that Rav Cook talks about. And that is, is that he says that the, that the way that the Torah is written is, um, is reflective of primordial energy. As the Ramban describes in his introduction to the, to, to the Chumash, the, uh, the Ramban describes that the, the energy of the Torah existed as white fire and black fire. Whether you say matter and antimatter, whatever that you want to describe it as, there was white fire and black fire. And that was the idea of the Torah and that was translated into the world that we have. And the way that the reason why the Torah is written as it is, is that it's the black ink is essentially like the black fire, which is superimposed upon the white energy. So it's the black ink on the white parchment is really reflective of that reality, um, of that primordial force of energies of the, of the Torah in its initial state. Now, what the white energy, in a certain sense, is all-encompassing. That's sort of like this notion of this transcendent, amorphous experience of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When you have the black energy, the black energy is the articulation of that intertangible bounded sets into spaces which we can understand the perimeters of and understand the rules of. And that's why before Matan Torah, in the times of the Avos, in the times of the patriarchs, the matriarchs, they discovered Hashem by looking at the white energy, looking at this infinite light, and, so, and figuring out that there is a Ribbonishol and there's all Almighty. However, post Matan Torah, the Torah articulated some of those, the expression of what God wanted in the world in a very precise way, in the form of words. Once we had those words, it was now a, we were able to understand and appreciate what it was that God wanted specifically from us in specific situations. And so the Torah is, in a certain sense, the combination of that white energy, that transcendent energy, and the imminent energy, the black energy, which is very specific and defined and precise as to the instructions. Well, that is the interesting, we'll call it um, shift. That is the dichotomy of this small aleph as well. Is At a certain point, Moshe Rabbeinu has just experienced the, the, the building of the Mishkan. Hashem's presence has just come down. We've just had Matan Torah at that point in time. The, the sum total transcendent experience of God, this amorphous exper experience of the divine has now grown. The white has grown bigger than the black and the letter is diminished because of his experience on the nation of Israel's experience of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's a balance in life. On the one hand, the relationship is very, very much amorphous. We have a relationship with a human being. There's, there's something much bigger than the words, but there's also finite actions, acts of service, words of affirmation. These are ways of expressing, those are the, that's so to speak, the black energy, the bounded energy, which needs to be balanced as well. And this is the, what's being described over here. Finally, one last thought on this aliyah to do it together, and that is, is that the Midrash describes, the Midrash Tanchum at the beginning of our parasha says that, look, Moshe Rabbeinu did all these amazing things. He split the sea, he took them out, he took them out of Egypt, he split the sea, he brought them to the desert, he brought the manna down, he, um, he, uh, he uh, brought the well to them, and the slav, the, 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 the pheasants that came out of the sky, created the Mishkan, and Moshe Rabbeinu at this point says, Ma yesh li la'asois. 
what can what what else can I do now? I've done so much. So Kadosh Baruch Hu says responds by saying, Chayecha by your life, Yeshri Melacha Gedola Mikol Mashiasi. So there's something even greater than everything you've done up till now. Yeshu Chol Alamedi Yisrael Tuma Vetara Ulaziron Heachiu Makrivin Bonai Korban. That what you need to do now is teach the nation of Israel to holy and unholy, the purity and impurity, and how to bring korbanos. If you think about this homiletically, again, the ideas of Rabbi J.J. Shecht are very beautiful ideas, and that is that if you think about what the world needs today, we need boundaries, that is Toma and Tahara, to be able to describe what is pure, what is not pure, and then also to, also to be able to understand the notion of sacrifice. Just to think about the world and the boundaryless society, the personal narrative society of the postmodern age where nothing is objectively true anymore. You know, in, in, in certain colleges, there's a community college in Washington State which no longer asks their applicants if they're male or female. They have seven gender identity options and seven more sexual orientation uh, options. Society is created for itself multiple, multiple uh, were called narratives. In religious descriptions in, in England, in a um, recent census, there were more people um, of the other religion who describe themselves, self-describe themselves as Jedi Knights than there are Jews in England. I mean, the, the idea of what is and what isn't, what's in, what's out, what is, is fading. Everything, every narrative, every personal perspective is, uh, is uh, adopted today. But perhaps there are boundaries, perhaps there are objective standards, and that's what the Tumantara is, the first idea. But also knowing how to sacrifice. If you go to the Lincoln Memorial and you turn to the left and you look at Abraham Lincoln's speech at the, um, after the Battle of Gettysburg, he talks about sacrifice. He talks about these men, the man, the brave men, living and dead who struggled to have consecrated a far beyond our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. And he talks about the notion of sacrifice in war. And what is interesting is, is would that speech have gone over today? Would it have worked? Gary Latterman, in a, in a, um, who's a religious studies professor, describes the, sacri- the, the notion of sacrifice in war as a lost cause recently. Um, it is very hard, even in Memorial Days, in a recent um, article, the notion that Memorial Day of National Unity centered around the war dead is a lost cause today. Many, many researchers are showing. People don't understand the notion of sacrifice anymore. And what the Torah said many, so many um, centuries ago is that after we've set up the Mishkan, after we've found Exodus, after all these things that we've, we've achieved, the next stage, the next frontier is understanding boundaries, Tumantara, in a world which is boundaryless, and understanding Karbanas, sacrifice. What it means to sacrifice for something bigger. What it means to, 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 to put one's own interests and check them in at the door for the interests of greater ideas. God, society, community, nation. Ideas that perhaps we've lost today. And this is how we begin. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.